freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Exceptionalism News Network. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? This this was in a a book for Freemasons. Fictions are necessary to the people and the truth becomes deadly to those who are not strong enough to contemplate it in all its brilliance. In fact, what can there be in common between the vile multitude and sublime wisdom? The truth must be kept secret and the masses need a teaching proportional to their imperfect reason. Broadcasting live from a bunker high atop Mount Hood. All heading towards a a fascist totalitarian state. It's radio that's delivering the truth. AK-47s belong in the hands of soldiers, not in the hands of criminals. The problem is they don't get to determine what is right and wrong in the process. It's all done by the central government. And here's Paul Preston and Agenda 21 Radio. Well, hello and welcome to Agenda 21 Radio. This is the radio show that is stopping totalitarianism, one exceptional American at a time. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, are you that exceptional American? I suspect you are. That's why you're listening to this radio show. You want to find out where all the exceptional Americans are that are fighting totalitarianism. And this is where you find it, right here on Agenda 21 Radio. Remember to visit our website, a21r.com, and of course, newcaliforniastate.com. NewCaliforniaState.com, State of the Future, had a great call last night. Uh, Public calls every Sunday and every Wednesday from 7 p.m. on. And uh, Liz Ritchie uh, took the helm and uh, did the whole three hours, which was amazing. Uh, First time ever. Congratulations to her. This next Wednesday, Patty Plum will be joining us, and she's going to make her debut on the... uh, I guess you would say it's now the New California or New Cali network that we're developing here. It's uh, quite the thing to see. Uh, then on Monday we'll have or Sunday we'll have another surprise guest for you. So anyway, but Patty will be taking over on a Wednesday night, and of course uh, from Shasta County, Patty is doing just a fantastic job. Her and Ron and the rest of the strong patriots up there. We're uh, understanding that they do have another resignation from one of the uh, high officials up there who's <laughs> apparently going to be stepping down. But if you haven't heard about New California and what we're doing with the New California state movement, we're the only constitutional movement for statehood in the United States and the only one that's been successful since 1861 to date. Uh, we've reached constitutional standing many, many, a couple of years ago, actually, as we declared our independence from the state of California. Then we went on and have conducted eight constitutional conventions, constructed our, our, our legislature. We have uh, 
camps, if you can say that, counties, 56 of them, of the 58 counties, have uh, membership within the New California State Movement. So we have grown and we have grown and we have grown. And, of course, our outreach now, um, our efforts really have turned a little bit away from statehood to more like protect the protect the homeland, protect the state of California, and protect from the totalitarians in, in uh, Sacramento. And, of course, Gavin Newsom is our number one target. We have been putting out affidavits. Literally tens of thousands of affidavits have gone out at this point in time to various county and state officials, and they're going to continue to go out. Our battle is succeeding. We're getting resignations and so on. And retirements, early retirements, shockingly, from a number of local officials who feel the heat. The one thing we have to correct, of course, is the corrupt election system, and that is one of our big pledges right now is to audit all 58 counties. And uh, we have been in touch with several county clerk recorders and it's uh, pretty obvious these are honest people who do not want to be tainted uh, with this tar, with the stain, if you will, of this uh, false election that occurred with Donald Trump. And also the false election that occurred with the recall. We have the numbers. We've done the algorithms. We've got it all taken care of. We understand what happened. We understand it all. So we're going to be putting that out there There's more and more and more, as some of you know. Okay, well, with us right now is Karen Kingston, and Karen Kingston comes to us um, uh, very happily. I can see Karen comes to us uh, from San Diego Cal- County, California. And uh, Karen, welcome to Agenda 21 Radio. It's first time here with us, and it's really an honor to have you with us because we've been following um, your progress and the progress of your efforts uh, for some time now. And, um, you know, it's uh, really an honor to be here with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself because um, you've got a bio, I've got a bio, we've all got bios, but I think I now have the right bio. So uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks for having me, Paul. And, yeah, great news on the recall. Um, Or not the recall, sorry, on the uh, the election fraud. I heard Trump's going to be making a big announcement from Mar-a-Lago on the 6th of January. So that's exciting. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, a little bit about me. Uh, I've been in the the pharma, med device, uh, biotech industry for over 25 years now. And uh, really the last decade or so, I've been uh, a strategic consultant and an analyst. So companies basically call me when they're in a foxhole. Um, My job is to go through all the data that they've uh, that they filed with the FDA. Um, I also take a look at uh, the IP landscape, so that's how I know how to go through patents and whatnot, so to get an understanding of of their intellectual property portfolio and pipeline as well as the competitive landscape. Uh, and then basically what it comes down to is uh, whether you're a farmer or a med device company, uh, when you're regulated by the FDA, what you can and cannot say is based only on two things. It's based on the data you submitted to the FDA uh, that's been reviewed and approved and it's and it's regulated by the laws. Uh, and that that's simply it. Um, so uh, I'm not allowed to opine when I go to meetings, specifically when I go to med legal review meetings. Uh, my job is simply to present data and law and um, just like in in lawsuits, there's precedence, um, and in uh, FDA regulations, I mean, we, you don't you never you don't want anything to ever escalate to um, <clears throat> being fined. Um, so what you look at is you'll look at warning letters and things like that as far as what you can and cannot say, and, and what the FDA is is giving a, a red light on. So it's it, it's very regulated. It's 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 not like I said. It's, it's not you don't get to just spew off your opinion, if you will. It's, it's not like social media. Yeah. social media yeah. <laughs> social media so uh, the uh, this is an interesting area because uh, one of the things that had to convince me about chemtrails 
And uh, that was uh, the patents that came out about chemtrails. I think it was James Chang. And that really struck home because, you know, as you do, as you know, when a patent comes out, your address and everything else is on the patent. You can do some research and finding out who this character is or these characters are about all the different things like finding out aluminum oxide, barium, and all this other stuff is being sprayed on you. And it has been done since about the 19, early 1990s. Well, I did some research on James Chang, and I come to find out this guy lived right down the street from my in-laws in Santa Ana, California. <laughs> and for oh, wow. for twenty some years, I drove right by his house <laughs> daily, almost. You know, going to see my in laws, and uh, you know, it, again, you just don't know when you start looking into these patents what you're going to find. Um, but you've been finding some very disturbing things in patents for a long time. You're in San Diego. Tell us a little bit about the San Diego area because I don't think people we focus on Silicon Valley because of all the. Um, the tax receipts that comes in uh, to the state of California from them, capital gains. And there's got to be massive capital gains coming into the state of California, uh, also from the San Diego area. And this is important to our listeners because Chris Street, who's our financial um, analyst, he's a world-renowned economist. He's very, very good friends with Peter Navarro. So that kind of tells you what level he's playing with. He was in the book Death by China and also in the movie with Peter Navarro, Death by China. So uh, San Diego, though, you know, you brought it to my attention about the the whole medical technology uh, sector down there. And, of course, I don't think that's kind of far to to, uh, think that it couldn't happen because you got the Salk Institute down there. I never really put it in my mind that that's also, to us, a contributor to the capital gains that are being seen right now by the state of California. Yeah, so San Diego is the biotech capital of the world. I think why people are unaware of that is because many of the companies, they don't necessarily have their headquarters here. You know, So Thermo Fisher Scientific is you know, the, the bulk of the businesses here in San Diego. Uh, they're one of the largest biotech companies in the world. Uh, there's, a, there's over 160, there's probably over 200 now biotech companies just in just in the Carlsbad area alone. Um, we've got Illumina down here, we've got Twist Bioscience down here, who also has offices in Northern California, as well as in Beijing, China. Um, and there, there's just, there's just, again, there's billions and billions of dollars of business here. Also, Qualcomm is headed down here. And, and people know Qualcomm, you know, they, they are the original inventors of the technology for the smartphone. They're right. involved with the DOD. Yeah, they're involved with BARDA. Uh, and their technology is also used in, in biotech. So the Salk Institute, as you just mentioned, uh, Qualcomm, the Jacobsons actually specifically, just gave them $100 million towards a $500 million uh fun to create a biocomputational platform to track COVID-19 uh, genetic mutations over the next five to 10 years. So why are they doing that? So there's just this huge um, biotech industry down here, and it's truly uh, the U.S. hub for this COVID-19 multi-trillion dollar market. On top of that, we've got West Wireless here from Gary West, which is a $40 billion nonprofit fund to give out to biotech. Uh, you know, companies and, and Eric Topol is also down here. So these guys are all integral in this um, tracking humans, uh, genetic mutations, our, our reg, you know, our regulations and everything. You know, Gary Topol is, is um, or sorry, Eric Topol, sorry, and Gary West. Eric Topol is, is on the forefront of that. You know, that, that's what, you know, he had originally, uh, blanking on the name of the company, 
Um, now I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name of the company, but he, you know, he originally was was funding companies so that you could remotely uh, track people's, um, you know, heart rates, blood pressure, pulse oximeter, et cetera, et cetera, at the hospital level. So again, we are at the epicenter of of this uh, using technology to track humans, as well as genetic mutations, uh, mRNA technology. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So that's all here in San Diego. But because of tax reasons and whatnot, most of the headquarters are outside of San Diego. Sure. But a lot of the brain power is here, and don't, you know, and the Jacobsons Qualcomm Slush Fund is here. Uh, they've given over seven hundred million dollars in donations in San Diego alone. That's that close is, to a billion. See, that's amazing to me. And again, they the tax uh, consequences for them is the capital gains to California, and that we've tracked that down to. Uh, Silicon Valley, which basically is going belly up right now. I mean, a lot of people have seen that and said it for a long time. Um, their cycle is kind of downsizing. But the cycle here for nanotechnology, for mRNA, as you're talking about, um, for all the genetics uh, is is really uh, still, that's burgeoning. That's just growing. It is. And, and just because uh, you can do something doesn't mean that you should. I mean, I think that's that's where we are we're, with science and humanity uh, and, and God. Uh, so these scientists, when it comes to using gene therapies, which is what these are. So make no mistake, mRNA is, according to the FDA's documents up until 2020, were hmm. what's called viral gene-based therapies. They're gene therapies. They figured out the code that God used to make humans, and they decided that they were going to play God uh, and, you know, play around with it um, and introduce not only uh, viruses and bacteria into our bodies, but also genetic codons from other species. So that that's what this is. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, again, just because they can do something doesn't mean that they should. It's truly... Um, in my opinion, again, this is now this is my opinion. I do believe it's truly evil, and and, and good cannot come of it. So uh, that that's what's going on. And in regards to the nanotechnology, you know, that's when I some of the stuff I found in the patents was so alarming. You know that they're they're able to make these medical devices and smart technologies uh, at a, a nano size and uh, inject them into human beings, where you could actually build. Uh, an operating system within the human being. Um, and that operating system can do everything from releasing uh, genetic materials into the body, toxic agents. There was one patent that I explained. Uh, it's from 2017 that the NIH owns. It's from January 2017. And it explains that the, the vaccine nanotechnology could be used to deliver a chemical agent or an agent of biowarfare. So all of this stuff is quite alarming. And then just, was it last night or Christmas night? Fox News actually did a couple of two-minute segments on how uh, the CCP is now using nanotechnology and biowarfare so that military uh, strategists can now launch, um, deploy attacks, right, from just using their minds alone um, and, and deploy attacks on others. So it's I believe it's starting to come through the mainstream media. Again, I don't think two minutes on Christmas night on Fox News is, yeah. is major coverage, but it's something. Uh, I can they, send you that clip later. Yeah, too. please. They and they buried it is what they did. And in fact, last night on our t uh, telephone call um, on our New California State call, John Wadsworth was, was our guest, and he brought up this very topic. And 
this is something that you know as they they put the trial balloon out on christmas day to tell us about this well this is probably one of the most important things in mankind's history yet they just kind of you know blithely put it out there but these are the, this is really what i don't think a lot of people understand when you talk about i call it bioethics i used to teach biology and genetics and virology and all that stuff for years and i used to this was in the 80s the 70s and 80s and I used to dread the this conversation because we would always have it. We were trying to tell the kids, you know, we know what the genetic code is now. When the technology starts to catch up to it, uh, good men will do evil with it. And right now we're seeing evil being done with the genetic code. Literally, Watson and Crick are spinning it around in their in their in their uh, graves. But this is something that we have to, as a society, as a culture, we have to address this. This is beyond the pale it's a it's a this is the weaponization of the human genome it absolutely is and and the what they're calling vaccines are bioweapons right i mean if you take a look at the actual data and the history of mrna and specifically an mrna that produces a protein it can only it can only produce autoimmune disease chronic diseases injury permanent disabilities and death um, and that's been shown. And also, when you have an mRNA that produces a protein, uh, there's a it, there's something that occurs that's called shedding. So right. when someone's injected with a synthetic virus that then hijacks their immune system to produce a disease-causing spike protein, they can infect other people with that spike protein. And shedding is not a conspiracy theory. I want to make that clear. Uh, there are several FDA documents that use the term shedding. One is from August of 2015, and it's called um, Design and Analysis of Shedding Studies for Viral Gene-Based Therapies and Oncolytic Products. And they go on to explain that shedding is when you inject someone with a synthetic virus, they can produce a protein, and that protein can then infect someone who was not injected. And the, and the document goes on to talk about how during animal trials, you need to set up quarantine studies to understand uh, shedding cycles, and then you need to do those in human studies. Well, here's the problem. The FDA um, and Pfizer and Moderna um, were untruthful to the American people saying that this was a vaccine, and they never set up the quarantine studies to figure out the cycle of how long someone who's injected could infect another person. So now we have to figure out quarantining studies real time for people that were injected. Um, and there was a study that just came out on ResearchGate, oh gosh, it was a month ago, no one's covered this. I don't know why, Paul. Nobody's covered this. Uh, and it, they actually talked about the vaccine fatality rate. And it, it's very alarming because the vaccine fatality rate for children under 17 is 10 times greater than that of the data in VAERS. And the, and the children in VAERS that died um, were had major comorbidities, had major other health issues. So if you took it a perfectly healthy child, it looks like it's a hundredfold right. for children under 17. But what's alarming is they found data, they looked at data in the um, United States on the open VARES or VARES data, and then they looked at European data under a database called Euromomo. And what they found was um, as vaccination for adults increased um, or and citizens over the age of 15, Morbidity and mortality for children under 14 also increased. So, and specifically under the age of one, they found a, a very high increase. And that's because of the shedding. So this isn't just one piece of evidence. There's several documents that show shedding does occur. 
Um, and this is something that uh, we need to start talking about. We need to start talking about the actual vaccine fatality rate. And we also need to talk about shedding um, from those who are injected to those who are uninjected. And the vaccine fatality rate numbers, the reason why they're so alarming, again, it's 0.04% for under 17. And I think it's 0.02% for the general population. But why it's so alarming is that's only 28 weeks of data. Yeah. That number is not going to go down. Yeah, it, it seems um, this whole idea of shedding really didn't occur. I mean, I've I've known about shedding in, in a, a virolo- virological sense, but from um, the way that they were couching it, this was uh, Dr. Burke, as I recall. She was the big one on shedding. She came out and made all the pronouncements when Donald Trump was still president about shedding, and nobody could kind of understand what she was talking about. But you've just sort of put it in a nutshell. It's a little bit greater problem now than ever before. And it's it's going to be a problem. Not a, it's going to be a problem to humanity, but it's a pro, it's a good problem for them if they're on in the mindset of spreading a lot of these diseases. They're going to be more um, lethal than ever before. So the children are coming into question statistically now, like they'd never been coming into into question before. That's what I've been seeing um, because there seems to be uh, some uh, somewhat of a, di- a disconnect statistically with some of the uh, fatalities and the morbidity that we used to see or that we were calling out with the children with COVID. Um, what's the, what, do you, what are you looking at just with the science that we have for the, the impact of all this genetic research, everything on the children, let's say for five and younger, what's going to happen there? In the crystal ball, what's going to happen? Um, so Steve Kirsch, I don't know if you know Dr. Steve Kirsch, he, he has a, a newsletter he puts out on Substack, and he just put out uh, a data analysis. It was not done by him, it was done by someone else. Um, but they were saying with children 5 to 11, let's just say that um, conservatively, conservatively uh, the vaccine will kill 117 children for every child it saves. And that's a conservative number. <laughs> so, um, Yeah. Now, for under five, what we're seeing is um, the FDA and Pfizer came forward saying they're not getting the robust immune response that they would like to see from the children with two doses for two to five-year-olds. So they're going to try a third dose. So I'm not exactly sure what they're doing to those children. Uh, But there's enough data that we know from even 2020, from last year, which is that children have a very distinct immune response versus adults. What you don't want to have in children is you actually don't want them to launch the antibody response because when they launch the antibody response, that results in the cytokine storm. Their innate immune system, their white blood cells, their T lymphocytes, they they are powerful enough that they actually never get infected unless that child is seriously compromised. So when children are being injected with the vaccine, all it is doing uh, is is compromising their immune system and causing their immune system to attack self. It's called immunogenicity. And so we know that this is happening. Again, there's probably at least I've read about a half dozen FDA documents that talk about immunogenicity that's caused by mRNA vaccines. Plus, if you take a look at the Pfizer actual approval for their biological license application on August 23rd, I think it's study number 11, says they want to do a lower dose of mRNA for subjects ages 12 to under 30 so a lower dose than the 30 micrograms that are currently being injected in 12 to 17-year-olds um, to test for a lower reaction of immunogenicity. And immunogenicity, per the FDA, is when 
you get an adverse a reaction from an mRNA vaccine where the body attacks self and the consequences could be lethal. Again, these are not my words. These are the FDA right, words. Right. So th- this is a horrible idea to inject children. It's nothing. It's, it's not going to do anything except harm them, disable them, and cause chronic diseases. Uh, and then with the shedding, you know, people are producing, their parents are producing the disease-causing spike protein. And we know from last year, the last thing we want is for that spike protein to get into the children's bodies. Um, that's what causes the cytokine storm. That's what causes multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. So now parents are producing trillions of spike proteins and cuddling with their kids, and they're and these are nano-sized now. So the ability to transmit it is much higher. Before, people were getting infected from a SARS-CoV-2 virus, a full-sequence virus, right, which is microgram size. Now we're talking about nanogram size with the spike protein. And then that virus would have to hijack a child's compromised immune system to produce the spike protein. So this is just a terrible idea. We're going to see, unfortunately, an increase in um, morbidity. So for children coming down with chronic diseases, myocarditis, pericarditis, bleeding disorders, uh, fertility disorders, this is what's coming upon the American people. It's um, This needs to stop, Paul. And I think... This should not be a choice. It should not be a choice to inject yourself with a bioweapon. It should not be a choice to inject your child with a bioweapon. Like it just, it should no longer be a choice. I don't even believe wearing a mask should be a choice. You should not be allowed to wear a mask into a public venue unless you have a doctor's note as to why you need to wear a mask. It is not healthy for you to do so. And prior to COVID, you know, it was looked frowned upon because it covers up your identity. Right. So it makes it more you're more you have a greater proclivity to commit actually crimes, which is wow. Why is crime rate skyrocketing? Because no one knows who anyone is anymore. Your identity's covered up. That's part of the reason. Well, you, the shifting gears here a little bit. Um, the masking situation for New Californians is we don't have one. We don't wear them, <laughs> and you know wherever we go. And in fact, uh, the governor has chased us now seven times away from venues. So that we wouldn't be a large gathering not wearing masks in his face. And uh, so we, we're very proud to wear that. The le- most recent one is we could not go to a venue in Visalia, California, because he put down the mask mandate, uh, which wasn't a mandate. Uh, and uh, we found it very, very clever that he chose to make sure it extended into the 13th, 14th, and 15th of January, which is when our convention would be. So the convention centers tried to work with us, but they said they just can't do that. Um, which is understandable. So now we're making all these different uh, arrangements, and I, I appreciate the fact you're going to be a, a, one of the members in that convention. But the 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 notion and the idea of having masks on is uh, really a, a form of torture, in my opinion, because that you don't wear a mask uh, outside like they've been doing uh, for any healthful reason at all, and it doesn't even stop the virus, of course. But it's gotten more insidious as a weapon, more of a psychological destruction and control than anything else. It, it absolutely is. And for, for children, if they're showing now, let's say, that children's IQ and the uh, social abilities have decreased because of this masking that's been going on. They can't see social expressions. And so, and, and the narrative is, is, I mean, it's, it's a brilliant narrative, right? Which is that if you don't wear a mask, it's because you're, you don't care about other people. 
uh, and you're you're a murderer, right? And so that's what they're saying to people. So people are afraid to not wear a mask in public. But if you realize that this is a form of abuse and you don't want to be part of the abuse, then you will take that mask off. I was mentioning to you like before, in cults, what they what they do to children sometimes, and, and gotta talk about there's some cults that are very evil. We'll just right, say there's right. like satanic cults, right? And what they'll do is they will convince a child, right? If they if someone dies or murders, they convince the child that the child participated in that, right, somehow. And that that everyone knows about this and they're shamed about it, right? And so you have to do what we're doing because if you don't, everyone's going to know that you're a murderer. And what's going on is if you go out in public without wearing a mask, everyone's going to know that you're a murderer. I mean, it, it really is pure evil at its right, core. It's right. brilliant, but it's evil, right? So what I say to people is like, instead of, you know, going along to get along, Say to the American, say to your people in your community, I am not a murderer, but I'm not going to go along with the psychological abuse, which is why I'm not wearing a mask. Do not wear one in public, you know, and if you, you know, if you see other people not wearing them and someone's like harassing them, stand up for them. They're doing the right thing, right? Because if you wear a mask and you're saying, well, that person who's wearing a mask is saying they're a good person and they're not a murderer, and you're saying, if I don't wear a mask, I'm a murderer. Would you say that to a child? Would you say to a child, look, if you go out in public, you're a murderer? It's abuse. It is psychological abuse. And I, 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 I would call upon all Californians to stop it. Cut it out. You, you know, it's not healthy to wear the mask. I, I wore it in 2020. I went along with this. I was not outspoken, right? And I, you know, um, and I got to tell you, I had more sinus infections in one year than I have in my entire <laughs> lifetime. It's not healthy. Yeah. Well, we've been uh, fighting the mask for a long time. And, uh, you know, the, when you go back and you take a look at the Revolutionary War, they always had the statement, do not comply. And uh, we've never complied with it in New California, and we never will. Uh, for the, the same reasons you're you're talking about, one of the things that really gets me, because I was in education for 41 years, and uh, I understand all the problems that are going on right now more than anybody else, and what's been ha happening. You know, look at the double whammy our children are getting. The state of California, as an example, completely pulling away from the education system of our kids. Our kids have not been educated fully, in my opinion, face-to-face, uh, -face, 100 percent. Uh, for at least two years, and of course we can go back and talk about the curriculum and the federalization of our public schools and the demented curriculums that we have, but now we've got school boards that are completely on board with masking. We They they refuse to take off the mask or tell their staffs. In some places now they're starting to wake up. We've, we've actually had some success in many of our um, counties where we've got school districts that are not going along with the state mandate. They've stepped up, they've stood up, and for the last three weeks, we've been witnessing a number of them saying, we're not taking the money, we don't care, we're not putting masks on our kids. And more and more are starting to do that. But the psychological impact on these kids is enormous, like you said. And then you put that, the, I call it a torture technique, putting masks on kids, which it is. Number one, you get the oxygen depletion, you get all those things that go along with that. But the other part of it is the psychological thing. You can't see what these people are talking about. Um, they're confused automatically. They, they're shamed if they take their mask off. In fact, 
this is the thing that's the most stunning thing is that you've got shaming, public shaming in and humiliation of children that don't have the vaccine in the classroom. They are deliberately moved out of the classroom, put in isolation. In some cases, we're hearing about uh, campus monitors are now standing in front of doors and inside the door, inside the room, you'll have a series of kids that are not vaccinated and that's where they stay all day long. And to boot, they are called truants because they're not in, ca- uh, in class because they're vaccinated just to punish the children. I mean, this is this is so off the hook what we're seeing in some of these places. It's like the uh, school staff have turned themselves into little Hitlers which um, I think that's really what we would should apply to them in terms of a terminology. They are little Hitlers. None of this is legal. None of this has any merit, uh, legal, uh, legal merit, in the education codes or the penal codes or any of the administrative codes that we have here in California, yet it's still being done. And now this is the problem that I have, Karen, is that when you have authorities know it's completely wrong, they know it's completely illegal, they do it anyway. They do it anyway because the dictator has asked or has told them to do it. That is a problem. Yeah, and it's been well orchestrated too. I think that that's the major problem is um, the behavioral insights that have been done by the Organization for Econo- uh, Economic Cooperation and Development. They found that Americans are most concerned uh, not about protecting themselves, not about protecting their children, but about what their neighbors think. And the best way to get American to do something that may cost them, that they don't even want to do, and it may be costly to them, is to tell them not only, you know, do your, are your neighbors going to frown upon it, but if you don't do it, we're going to tell your neighbors. So what better way to control Americans than to make them wear masks? Because it's so obvious if you're not going along with what your neighbors are doing at that point. So it's it's definitely not about the right thing to do. It's not about us worrying about whether or not we're being a good person according to God. It's about us worrying whether we're being a good person according to what our neighbors think. Yeah, I I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. It's what we think in our own hearts is what we have to do and what we have to follow with. I'm not too sure that uh, we have school officials wanting to do that, though. Um, no, we, the school they don't. And it, but you know, and what's so frustrating about that is there's um, is your since you're talking about constitutionality of our state is there's 18 Title Code Section 242, right, which is deprivation of civil rights under the color of law. Right. And I think it's great for most of Californians to familiar familiarize familiarize themselves with this because color of law simply means that an official is acting as if they have authority that they do not have in, um, you know, enacting out a duty that they do not have any need or right to fulfill. And it doesn't have to just be our governor. You know, it doesn't just have to be elected officials. Uh, It's not just the school board. It's not just uh, police officers. It can also be school teachers. It's anyone that's in any public service capacity. It can also be healthcare providers and public service. who are acting as if they are they are they have the authority to do something and that they're fulfilling their duty that is not their duty to do. And so this comes right down to both the the mandates for the masks as well as for the vaccines. And the healthcare providers may find themselves in in quite a lot of trouble because they're acting as if it's their authority to inject people 
with these COVID-19 experimental injections and they don't need to tell them about the side effects and the risks. And that's simply false. Um, so they're acting outside of their authority as well. I mean, I even heard, who is it, Dr. Bamers, who is one of the advisors to the San Diego City Council. Uh, and he was saying, I don't have time to look at data or publications, you know, that simply go to these conspiracy <laughs> theorists. And, and they go back, they go, we just look at the actual data. It's like, well, you never even read the FDA approval now, did you, Dr. Bamers? Because if you read it, there are six myocarditis studies to still determine the safety of Comirnaty in there. There's one immunogenicity study in there. There is a shedding study for pregnancy exposure in there and birth defects as well as de developmental issues. So who are you to say this is safe when the FDA and Pfizer don't even know it's safe? So these um, healthcare providers are, are really, they're acting um, out of line um, and they're blatantly following whatever guidance they're getting from the higher ups, but those higher ups do not give them the authority to violate uh, informed consent yep. uh, and basic FDA guidelines just because someone declared that a virus was a threat to national security, which, by the way, Paul, is the greatest lie that has ever been told to the American people in our nation's history. Yeah. You know, it's uh, one of the things we talk about. Uh, Patrick Wood, who's uh, written a book called Technocracy Rising, and he was one of the authors of Trilaterals over Washington in the 70s. And um, he said that basically what we have is a situation called reflexive law that they're applying and uh, I know reflexive law from the uh, permissive codes that you find in education code sections because you're dealing with children. You know, you have to have some leeway in your interpretations of what the situation is you know, with a child, a minor, and uh, then again, uh, any of the code sections that it might apply for discipline reasons. So there's a lot of that that goes on. And what I mean by that is these people have taken the authority and they don't really care about the law. They will interpret the law any way they want to interpret it. And if it's their interpretation that everybody needs to get a jab within their eyesight, that's their authority. They've assumed it, and they're just going to make it happen. Because after all, there is a health emergency, right? And uh, that's what the that's the parameters that they're working under. That's called reflexive law. They feel that they have self authority to do these things. But this is what technocrats do. This uh, Patrick is very, very clear about the fact that technocrats use reflexive law to get what they need to get done. No matter how you look at it, you can put you know lipstick on a pig. It is still totalitarianism. Period. End of subject. It's one of the instruments for that, and that's what we're seeing. I think everywhere. It's not just in San Diego County. It's everywhere. But you know, one of the things I th find interesting is this most recent um, edict by the governor that we're going to have a mask mandate, quote, that's how they couch it. It was a mask mandate uh, from December 15th to January 15th. The problem is, is it's turned out, in fact, it came out from a San Diego report, and some of the mayors down there are saying that there is no mandate. They never signed anything to indicate that there's a mandate. Um, and found, And basically what it is is it turned out to be a memo that was put out by the health services that says this is a recommendation. And um, I couldn't, this was just two, three days ago, this article came out from one of your San Diego, I think it was KTLA in Los Angeles and one of your uh, San Diego stations down there. There's this this ruse because he clearly came out and said there's going to be a mandate going on and all of a sudden there's no mandate. Well, 
you know, this, this whole mandating by memo has been going on. And I, that's what I used to call it, too, about I'm going back a few months now. It's mandating by memo because everyone was like, well, um, Austin, Lloyd Austin mandated the vaccines for the military. It's like, no, he didn't. He sent, you know, I, I forgot who someone else sent out a memo. Like the only way it could actually be mandated for the military is if Biden signs an executive order, which he never did. Right. All this stuff has been by memos. And they're doing this on purpose, Paul, because they know they have no authority. So they're putting out memos and they're going, look, if the American people are stupid enough to fall for it, then let them fall for it. So I, I was shopping, you know, before the holidays and I, I walked into some stores and like, man, would you like a mask? I'm like, no, thank you. And they're like, there's a mandate. I'm like, there is no mandate. I'm not playing this game. And they're like, we're going to have to ask you to leave. I'm like, you're asking me to leave? They're like, yeah. I'm like, no, thank you. And I just kept shopping. I was like, this is <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah. I've got to get stocking stuffers, okay? Yeah. I don't have time. Yeah. And uh, But my whole point is this this mandate by memos is, is completely unlawful. But, you know, the people that are putting out the memos, the question is, are they really accountable? Because they truly are seeing if, if uh, the American people are dumb enough to fall for it. But here's the thing. Those those school boards, those mayors, right? Those police officers, those healthcare providers who do fall for it, they are now in violation of uh, 18 U.S. Title Code Section 242, which is deprivation of rights under the color of law. And if it results in the injury or death of an American citizen or a child, they could be sentenced to life in prison or death. So, no. I mean, it's really horrific what our government has done to the American people and how they've played them and how they've played, again, school boards, police officers, military, to follow orders that were nothing more than memos. But at the end of the day, the gavel's gonna come down on these on these other community members and not at those higher elected officials. That's what, um, and of course, <clears throat> you know, our biggest problem uh, in this study of Agenda 21 is that, you know, when that first came out, their big mantra was to um, think globally but yet act locally, which meant that they ultimately put in massive amounts of resources to build their local bases and local communities and to put people in places that really are following the mandates, the edicts, if you will, of Agenda 21. And we've seen the extension of that with George Soros and all of his influence with district attorneys and sheriffs and whatnot. And uh, they're, they've really worked the system, and they've got these people in place, and these people are believers for the most part. I know in Colorado they had some really big stuff going on here in California, in various parts of rural California in particular. We've seen this where you have candidates, you have people that are really um, nothing more than just shills and lackeys for the United for the United Nations. And they've been that way, and they've established themselves. And now they're the ones that are following these, quote, memo mandates and there's they're they're using reflexive law like i said to uh, foist this on people it's unnecessary and like i said from the very beginning we will not comply with any of this stuff um we have been fighting it tooth and nail we've traveled up and down the state 30 some times to have citizens committees hearings and we hear the same thing from people that it's the local officials for the most part that are really having the the worst impact upon them and their children's education and their businesses, because look how many businesses have left California since this whole thing started. Oh yeah, it's been it it's it's been a huge detriment to to the state this this whole declaration. And you know, as I said just earlier, which is that 
you know, when um, it was originally Secretary Azar from HHS, but then, you know, with Governor, I think it's Governor Newsom, I'm not sure who declared it in, in California, but when they declared that this virus, you know, was a threat to public health safety in California, and we were told to shut down our businesses, pull our children out of schools, um, not allowed to congregate, not allowed to go to church, uh, not allowed to have freedom of speech anymore uh, publicly. You know, we had to put a, a mask on our faces if we were going to go out. There was there was curfews put in place. And basically, we were told, like, if we dare, you know, exercise our civil liberties and pursue the American dream, that's an act of terrorism. I mean, that's what happened. I mean, this is just the greatest lie that has ever been told to our country, ever. And, 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 and we went along with it because we were deceived. And, and I think that's what people need to recognize is that uh, America it has been the shining uh, beacon, right, on right, the hill. Right. And and we are we are both an economic and a military superpower. So, and, but there are enemies out there. There are many enemies who want to take America down. Uh, and the only way to take America down, you know, governments know this is if we concede. If we voluntarily surrender, and the only way Americans would voluntarily su surrender is if we were deceived. We would have to be deceived to give up our rights in order to lose a war. And that is exactly what has happened, which is why we need to stop with the mandates. We need to stop wearing masks and we need to complete do a cease and desist and recall of all these bioweapons. And America needs to realize it's been at war. We've been under attack and we are harmed. That way we can actually heal ourselves. And unfortunately, one of the greatest uh, enemies of America, you know, and attacks or successful attacks have happened in the state of California. Newsom led the lockdowns. OK, uh, Mayor Todd Gloria is trying to, to lead the mandates here as well for our city police. Uh, San Diego Unified School District is trying to follow L.A. County with leading the lead to, to, to mandate vaccinating children with a bioweapon. So California ha has been a, a huge part to the detriment of this country, and it needs to stop. We need to take back America, but we need to take ta back California first. And personally, I'm here in San Diego trying to take back San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's exactly <laughs> what we've been trying to do. And, and in fact, we're, we're meeting with great success because, you know, in the midst of their craziness, we're forming a state, which is something that they never thought that would happen. Yeah. And now here we are. Um, you know, four years out, we've had, uh, it'll be four years for our Declaration of Independence on January 15th, this next month. But uh, they don't know how to stop us because, you know, it's it's people empowering people. We're not believing the lie. We're not taking it. We're not, we're not complying with it. This is something that is just, you know, to them, it's just off the hook about what we're doing. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the, the great success that we've had. They just don't, they don't, uh, they don't, they don't care about the Constitution. That's the key thing. They don't understand it. Number one, the, the Gavin Newsom and his folks, his ilk, do not understand the Constitution. And in order to understand the Constitution, you have to have a, a really good relationship with God and Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is what we always tell people. Because the, like it or not, the Constitution, all those documents were written by you know, Protestant godly men back in 1776. That's the demographics of of what this country was at the time, and they were. It's a, it's sort of a natural that this is the way it works. 
but you know when you stop having a belief in in God and as we've seen it with this whole country it's been under attack constitutionally in a godly way an anti-god way then we shouldn't be surprised that people fall off the the cart so to speak and don't understand their constitutional rights and what that we have god-given rights and the only way we're going to give them up karen is like you said we just give them up freely they ask us for our rights oh sure go ahead and take them and you're seeing people do that uh, blithely and that's one of the things when we talk to people about new california we have to get the constitutional issue straightened away never give up your god-given constitutional rights never give it a thought because once they're gone for you they'll be gone forever and these totalitarians want that avenue in um, and this has now been our biggest struggle is educating the population that they have these rights it's their own personal determination that they make to keep their rights and keep everybody safe i mean like you you've determined for yourself you're not going to put a mask on ever again and go out in business you're not going to comply with that edict because you also understand when you're out and about and you're doing your thing you're protecting my rights as well you know that yes, exactly. you're, you're making a statement about everybody else's rights um that, are, that you have god-given rights and so does everybody else who's not wearing a mask thank you very much and that's the that's the biggest statement. We just need to turn it all around. And I, I just uh, to me, it kind of cracks me up. Uh, even though I do have to say this mandate is not working at all, the so, so-called mandate from Newsom. I did happen to see yesterday when I was out and about one woman in one car with the windows up with a mask on. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I think if we continue to push back, I think we're going to make some real progress. I wanted to quickly ask you about the nano business going on here and, um, you know, what's going on with that, that technology and trying to control us uh, even more so than ever before. That was one of the big topics last night, and I promised the people I'd ask you that question about what's going on with the nanotechnologies designing to, uh, that they have in the design phase, I guess you can say. But what does it look like in the future and how can we stop it? Oh, so I'm not, I can't, I, I, I can't speak about the future of it. I just can speak for what I've read in the patents as far as the, the nanotechnology. That's the future so for us. What, <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so um, when I, what, the first patent I discovered was actually the world patent for, for Moderna, which is the master mRNA patent. And in section 002, uh, it explains that the mRNA is encapsulated in lipid nanoparticles uh, which serve both as a uh, therapeutic uh, delivery as well as a diagnostic. So that was when right right away uh, the alarms went off in my head because a, a delivery system and a diagnostic is, is not a pharma. It's not a vaccine. It's a device. Um, and so when I had read that, I realized it was a device. And then within the patents, you can then find the descriptions of the LNPs and you can find the other patents. Um, and so... What I found was that uh, these vaccines may contain, and it turns out they do contain it because doctors saw them under a microscope, right. uh, but they may contain all types of uh, nanotechnology, including uh, nanomagnets, believe it or not. So just tiny little magnets and the purpose of the magnets uh, in this one patent that I read that was under the master patent was it actually adheres to, to bone and then de delivers chemotherapies. Now, whether or not that's what these 
uh, nanomagnets are doing in the vaccines, I don't know. I mean, doctors had seen some of them. I don't think that's what it is. I think they're part of conducting this electromagnetic field. Um, there were other uh, nanotechnologies in there that included quantum dot and teslapheresis, which then uses graphene oxide and graphene hydroxide to actually build operating systems uh, within the human body. So you're talking about something being, um, you know, several hundred nanograms in size. Uh, and then when it's activated, it would actually roll out and you could have up to 30 centimeters of one atom thick uh, nanotechnology layer of graphene oxide in your body. So these were different things that I had found and those are called single wall uh, carbon nanotubules, SWCTNs. Um, and then uh, these are used also to build what's called teslapheresis and you can Google teslapheresis. I think it was out of UC Rice, University of Rice, is that in Texas, California? No, it's in Texas. I, oh, in Texas, yeah. Rice, Texas. Texas. Okay, Rice, in Texas, yeah. yeah. And, and what they explain there is that, like, you know, using a, an external signal, you can activate the building of an operating system, you know, um, so that could happen. So people could uh, be in, injected with, you know, kind of these consolidated um systems that are currently not activated they're, they haven't been opened up and then a signal can actually then activate that um the other thing is under the foia act and i think this was shared on the dark car course which is brett weinstein uh japan had released the data that showed that the uh the vaccines congregated in the ovaries and in the prostates of men so it actually went uh, to our reproductive area. So that was quite alarming. There's other data that shows that it actually congregates up in, you know, your, your, your brain area and along the central nervous system. This is probably why Guillain-Barr syndrome and chronic fatigue right. syndrome, they have encephalitis and myelitis. Those are fancy words for inflammation of your brain and spinal cord, right? Because this is where the lipid nanoparticles are congregating up and down your spinal cord and in your brain. Uh, and that to me would indicate you know, because it's trying, you know, they want to control not just your bodily functions, which is what you can do, um, but also your your other brain functions, potentially, you know, moods, thoughts, etc. I did work for Medtronic Neuromodulation for about four years. And what people don't realize, like, they, they're like, oh, this sounds crazy. It's sci-fi. Well, in the neuromodulation division for pain management, they would literally put electronic leads, so electronic wires <laughs> up and down your spine. And they would just tell your brain, look, they just wouldn't send the pain signal to your brain anymore. Right. Or, you know, people that were suffering from incontinence, so they didn't have the ability, the, the, there was neurological damage, so they were urinating themselves, women would urinate themselves. Well, they would send the signal so that they would, basically that muscle memory would like recall itself. So you can absolutely send signals, you know, within your central nervous system that, that affect your bodily function. They also use leads to, for, for mood disorders, for yeah. depression, yeah. for, you know, mania. So, and, um, and what I think people don't understand is just as you can um, solve for these diseases and these dysfunctions, you can also induce them. Yeah. Right. Listen, um, uh, so Karen, we got Karen, oh, we got we got a break for time, and I'm really okay. glad you've been with us here on Agenda 21 Radio. I'm definitely going to have you back on. Um, you're going to be up with uh, Clay Clark in Phoenix. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's in the beginning of July. 
14th and the 15th, I think. Or not July, January. The end J- of January. January. It's a J. <laughs> I'm a little bit. I'm, I, I'm a cold. That's, no, you're doing great. Thank you very much for being with us yeah. today. And I'm sure we're going to be back together. And uh, keep too. up the great work. Uh, you're doing fantastic stuff for humanity, which is, I think, the biggest uh, calling we can all have. So thank you very much for being with us, Karen Kingston. All the way from San Diego, California. <laughs> thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Thanks. Bye. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, Karen Kingston with us here on Agenda 21 Radio. I want to thank everybody for being here today. And uh, remember, we're going to be probably playing in the next hour on all of our different TV stations, so we've got uh, some things to make up. Anyway, stay with us. More to come here on Agenda 21 Radio. Remember to visit our website, a21r.com, and, of course, newcaliforniastate.com. Newcaliforniastate.com, state of the future. And remember that um, only you are going to be able to help us stop these totalitarians. That's an absolute fact. And if you don't uh, believe me, well, let's hope you believe me. Anyway, thanks for listening to Agenda 21 Radio. Remember to visit our website, a21r.com and newcaliforniastate.com. Remember, stay strong, America. Stay strong. We are exceptional Americans. Sending out an SOS to the last vestiges of freedom, democracy, and the American way of life. Paul Preston with Agenda 21. Protecting your phone conversations from snooping agencies, foreign governments, and those who would use your conversations to hurt you and your family is the most important action that you can take today. DEF, Defense Enabling Assisting Framework, protects all your conversations and text messages. Don't find your conversations on social media sites or in the storage bins with big governments around the world. Protect your conversations today with the DEF system. I've used the DEF system since 2014 and have been 100% protected. Go to A21R.com, that's A21R.com, and sign up for the DEF system today. That's A21R.com and sign up for the DEF system today. Protect your conversations today with the deaf system. For those of you that want to stay in touch all the time, 24-7, from anywhere on the planet, you need a satellite phone. And right now, you can get one of the best deals on a satellite phone from SatellitePhoneStore.com. That's SatellitePhoneStore.com with the code word AGENDA. Do not be out of touch with your family, your friends, and everybody else on the planet. Get your satellite phone today by going to the SatellitePhoneStore.com. Promo code AGENDA. That's promo code agenda this is AENN American Exceptionalism News Network